This is Joel Kotkin. And this is Marshall Toplansky. And you're listening to the Feudal Future Podcast. Our society is being rapidly reduced to a feudal state, a process now being exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Millions of small businesses are near extinction. Millions more are losing their jobs. And many others will be stuck in the status of propertyless serfs. The big winners have been the expert class of the clerisy, and most of all, the tech oligarchs, who benefit as people rely more on algorithms than human relationships. With this, around the world, the middle class is becoming more squeezed than ever, and it's having profound economic, social, and spiritual implications. Here on the show, we're having conversations with business, government, and citizen leaders like you to get to the core of these issues and explore how we can work together to form a better future than the one we're headed towards. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Feudal Future Podcast. I'm Marshall Toplansky. I'm Joel Kotkin. And we are delighted today to have two really interesting people to talk about the tax issue. We have Steve Malanga, who is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, formerly the executive editor of Crane's New York Business. And Steve, welcome. Thank you. And we have Hank Adler, who is the distinguished associate professor of accounting at Chapman University's Arduous School of Business and Economics. Hank had a 33-year uh, uh, career in public accounting, the last 20 of which he was partner, a tax partner at uh, Deloitte. Hank, welcome. Good to be here. Great. Well, you know, I know you guys, what a, what a time to be having this conversation. The, the Biden uh, capital gains tax proposal has just been released. Uh, we've been talking and seeing a lot. Uh, Hank, Hank especially has been talking about wealth tax, and we've been seeing a lot of very high visibility exoduses from California. Um, and so the big question is, how screwed up is the tax system? And um, what about these proposals from uh, from Biden? So, so maybe just to get started, I mean, do we have a a sense of how direct the the impact on state budgets is as you raise taxes on wealth? Um, do we have evidence? I know Hank, you did some work in California, and I know Steve, you've been following this. So, I mean. Because you know, we have to understand we're working on a project now for for the uh, for the state set, uh, somebody in the state senate, and basically he says the average California Democrat doesn't think that high taxes cause any um, uh, erosion in the tax base or people leaving. What what's your experience showing you, Hank Stephen? Well, I'll, I'll go first. Um... You know, and from the practical sense, it's been a while since I practiced, but I'm still out there. Um, the number of people who are leaving the state because of the current taxes, more or less the proposed wealth state, is significant. And it's easy to explain why, if we have under current law, if we have a 20% capital gains tax and a 13.3% um, capital gains tax for California, and I'm looking two years out, I'm going to sell my business, an intangible asset. If I move from California to 
Nevada, Texas, California, or Florida, I'm going to avoid 13.3% of a total 33.3 rate. So I can get my car, sell everything, change residences, and reduce the tax bite by a third. And that is an incentive that people are taking advantage of. Is that the experience on the East Coast? Steve? Well, so let me let me put it this way. First of all, the, the left always makes this claim, <coughs> and it's based on this idea. Whenever they do studies, they often find that the number of millionaires in a place that's raised taxes is increasing anyway. When you look at those studies, what you find is that if they do increase, it's simply, or at least stay, stay stable, it's actually because of new wealth being generated by people who are still there. But when you look at migration trends, you see that people are leaving. And when you talk to financial advisors, it's unquestionable. And then you get the big stories. I mean, I'm old enough to have, have you know, I used to write about when people were leaving New York to relocate to New Jersey. Now they're leaving New Jersey. And the Wall Street Journal wrote a piece about two years ago uh, in, in which they talked to financial advisors in New Jersey. And one of the guys said, my clients are fleeing New Jersey like it's on fire. Uh, and, and that's the reality that everybody who's a financial advisor will tell you about. And then they'll go into why and how. One guy at a, 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 a conference that I went to, uh, uh, again, a, 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 an accountant, but with high net worth, he said that he, about a quarter of his clients, he was advising on whether or not to leave the state. So clearly that's an issue. The, the issue, however, is if you take New York City, for instance, the city, because of what, what's happened in Wall Street, is generating all this new wealth. So there's this, there's this like pattern where you know the old wealth leaves, but because of a, a, when the economy is vibrant, we're, we're generating new wealth. However, tax increases at this particular time when there are all these challenges to remaining in a place like New York City or Los Angeles create a whole new level of discussion about this. Yeah, because we've proven that you don't necessarily have to be there in order to generate that wealth. Exactly. Yeah, and, and the other question I would love you guys to, to opine on is, you know, at least in California, and, and you, you'll know better in New York, Steve, but in, in California, the concentration of wealth has led to having a very small number of taxpayers uh, be responsible for a very large percentage of the taxes collected. And if it's those small percentage of very wealthy people that are suddenly leaving, what happens to our ability to actually pay the bills and pay our obligations for things like public uh, sector pensions? Hank, what's your sense on that? Well, it's 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 a nightmare, and and I want to add the wealth tax to the pot because it's really important. You know, we have today the threat in California of a wealth tax, and that threat enhances people's decision to get out of the state. So what happens is, you know, you 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 forecast, okay, there's going to be a wealth tax. Now my client says, look, I've got businesses I'm going to sell, taxes I'm going to pay. I have a moral obligation to my kids to get out of California because it will expand my estate when I pass away. And Austin's a lovely place. So what happens is you propose a wealth tax to a group of people who are already trying to figure out how to get out of the state. You enhance it. When they leave, not only do you not get that wealth tax that you haven't even passed, but you lose the income taxes that they're paying now. 
So to your answer is, how do you pay off these pensions? At least the guy in the box in the upper right, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah I mean, first of all, um, 83% of all the millionaires in New York state live basically in four counties. They, they, they're all downstate. They live in Manhattan. They live in Westchester. They live out, out, on, out on the island. Uh, that's an incredible concentration. Wow. Um, those are also wow. the places, right? Those are also the places that are under most stress right now. We know from just the um, cell phone data and stuff during the pandemic that 15 or tw- to 20% of New Yorkers just got up and left. And the rich, rich people went and they lived in their uh, second homes, whether their second homes were in the Hudson Valley uh, or whether they were somewhere upstate f- farms or whether they were in Florida, they got out. And we don't know how many of those people are coming back. That's the irony of this tax increase in New York is that bef- when it was first proposed and Cuomo was opposed to it when he, you know, before when he still had some power that he didn't give up with all the other stuff that, you know, he said he was calling rich people, friends of his and saying, when are you coming back to New York? And he said, they're not telling me they don't know when. And and the only reason this tax increase passed is because, um, you know, that the legislature in New York has now shifted way left and Cuomo has essentially lost his power. He's forfeited his power. And so you had this tax increase, even though he had said that. And before that, frankly, David Patterson in 2008, when he was um, when he was uh, uh, governor, he said when they were raising taxes, you know, my my friends who are in business are calling me. And they're saying, you know, we just can't pay these taxes. The opportunity isn't there. We're leaving. That's governor saying that Democratic governor saying that. Uh, so these tax increases were in spite of those kinds of sentiments. But do you think that, um, that you know one of one of the issues I, I assume both for California and New York is the the shift in the political environment, which is much more hostile to business and to capital than it was even under you know I would argue you know even under early Jerry Brown or as you mentioned you know Governor Patterson. So so the the question is are we on some sort of treadmill where we lose the middle class. We lose the business people, and so the 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 far left progressives fill in the gap, and there's nobody else. Like one of the things we found in doing some research, uh, Marshall and I did on California, is almost none of the members of the legislature from the Democratic Party have any business experience at all. Correct, and we lost. You know, we lost uh, Morlock, who was the truly the only, literally the only accountant in, in Orange County and the union spent four or five million dollars to take him out in a in a race normally you could win for 60 or 70 thousand dollars. Yeah, for those of you who don't know uh, Morlock, John Morlock was John. the, yeah. the uh, now re- forcefully retired um, state senator from Orange County and as as Hank says, he was the one of the very few business voices that was actually in the California state legislature. I don't know, is the New York legislature a little a little different or do they have, or is it also relative? No, actually I did a piece uh, in the Wall Street Journal back when they were raising um, uh, income, uh, the, raising the salaries of the New York state legislature all the way up to $130,000 a year. And the argument was that you had to make these folks full time because that's the only way they could do their job. and. You know, one of the guys I quoted was an upstate guy who was a construction. He owned his own construction company. 
And the, he he said that basically with this kind of legislation, which they did, what they did was they said, we're going to pay you $130,000 a year, but you're not going to be allowed any outside income. So you're essentially saying in New York state, we don't want anybody with a real job in the legislature. Hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me follow up on something that, that, that Joel asked a second ago. You know, what's happening in California is we are now seeing big players leave. HP moves to Texas. Um, Ellison moves to the island of Lanai, which I think he owns. And think about that. He's moving to a 16.8% income tax area to avoid California. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just amazing to think about that. But what's happening, at least my, my conversations with, um, with, with people at HP, is they are not eliminating the jobs in California yet, but every new job is in Texas. So hence the migration away from California of that next generation of entrepreneurs. I don't know very much about Musk, but I assume it's exactly the same thing. Well, I guess if you factor attrition in over time, that just means that um, we're going to see a withering of the of the infrastructure of business here. Well, and and, and add to that that you know, and 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 this is really Steve's world. Uh, there was a piece yesterday that the leasing market, the office leasing market in New York City, is literally in a state of collapse with the lowest rents and the lowest values. I think the article I read was in a couple of decades. So, you know, the combination of the ability to run that business from out of state. The ability to attract somebody to a state where my individual employee is not going to be paying as high a tax rates. It's 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 a formula for disaster in our, you know, in our various states. And Steve probably knows a thousand times more about New York than I do. Well, you know, the thing is this, I mean, I have been writing relocation stories. God, I, I mean, it's you know, 30 years now, um, about in in New York. And Early on, when I was writing these stories, what the left, or it was usually actually the unions, every time a company would get up and make a very public announcement that they were going to leave, and there were plenty of them, by the way, that's how you wind up with so few Fortune 500 companies left in New York City. But every time they made an announcement like this, the unions and the left would always say, you know, people aren't going to rush and follow them because there's no quality of life in other places around the country. When J.C. Penney left, they said they, they said this is literally what they said. They don't have any good hospitals down in Texas. First of all, forgetting about how how misleading that was. Well, just that so was like, 30 years ago, that's all changed now. Anyway. A, a right, point of information, right. the largest medical center in the world is right. in Houston, Texas. Of course, exactly. <laughs> right. So so that's actually changed. Now, what we have is a situation where there isn't even a debate anymore, get, especially when you combine the pandemic, what, what happened in New York City. There isn't any even a debate anymore about the issue of quality of life, even if taxes in New York were on par with with, with Texas, let's say, or Florida, as possible as that sound, you would still have fundamental questions about the future of the city, just given the issue of density, given the issue of um, the, the necessity of mass transit and people's fears about that. So even without those things, you would have those, those fundamental questions. And now you add on to that the most expensive um, a tax environment in the country and a hostile legislature. And it's absolutely hostile. The, um, the CEO of the New York City Partnership, which is essentially the biggest business group in New York State, said 
before the tax increase, if they raise taxes this time, it's not because of the budget. It's because they're trying to punish rich people. That was that was she that was she was quoted in the paper saying that that is what what the the business community in New York understands now. So so let me that's a perfect segue into the whole question of the Biden proposal yes. on um, on capital gains. So if the if as what you're saying, Steve, is true and that the, the goal is to punish rich people in New York, are we now seeing that mindset being extended nationally and punishing rich people across the country? Well, first of all, I don't think there's any question that the Biden administration is turning out to be further to the left than than the, the moderates in the party thought it was going to be. It is an exact, I won't say it, 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 it specifically, you know, uh, reflects the, the movement as far left as New York State or the California legislature, because there's a little bit of balance there. There's actually a fear that they could that, that the Democrats could lose Congress, which is not there's that's not a re- realistic fear in a place like New York State anymore. But clearly, you know, they're reflecting a lot of that, you know, th- that feeling. And I will tell you one thing. What is going to happen if they raise taxes is what happened when Obama raised taxes. And that is the states, especially the red states, responded essentially by cutting their taxes and by governors going to places like Illinois and New York and saying, come to us, because that is a viable way to lower your taxes. Not, you know, if you if you if you can't lower your federal taxes, except by moving your money offshore, the thing you can do is you have more of an incentive to lower your state taxes. So, uh, Hank, I, I would like to follow up on Steve's point with Hank. So basically, higher federal taxes will also affect movement, even though everybody has to pay them no matter where they are. Has that been your experience, Hank, with clients? Absolutely. I mean, you know, some major projects where we have moved, and you have to understand there, there, there are a lot of moving parts to this discussion. But if I can move and I can get away from California taxes, I can get away from the union requirements, and I'm not going to pay the high rent in a downtown Los Angeles. That's a formula. Let's get up and go. Um, I won't put a name on this, but we auctioned off basically the headquarters of one of my clients 15 years ago. And I got to meet, you know, the governors of five or six or seven states. And basically, we auctioned ourselves off. And there we went. Yeah, You know, it's funny you should say that when Joel and I did our um, our latest piece of research on the state of the middle class, we looked at this question of what were the policies of the state of California in terms of trying to attract business. And what you're saying is 100% correct. Everybody else, the governors are, you know, putting on the knee pads. They're going, they're going out and, and, and begging people to come to their state. And the Californians are basically in complete denial about it. Well, and I would add one thing. I would add one thing too. I mean, Hank said something. He said, you know, he was ta- he talked about the taxes, but also about you know getting away from the unions. The point is this: it is true that taxes alone aren't the issue. In it, but if you look at that, the same a state that is willing to tax their residents or businesses at ten percent or more to raise their corporate tax, those are the same states that have very union friendly. Uh, policies they have uh, they have environmental regulations that make it very very difficult to operate in those places uh, and they don't have they don't you know and they 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 don't they don't even 
you know, try to attract businesses. I mean, I remember writing about a business that left California. This is in the last, after the last recession and went to um, Utah. And the, the, the CEO said when, you know, he went to a, um, a reception with the governor and the governor said to him, went up to him and said, what can I do to help you? He said, nobody in California, no elected official had ever said that to him. So it's an entire mindset. The, the increase in taxes, the, the, the impetus to, to raise taxes is part of a much larger mindset. And you almost always find that if they've got, if your state has high taxes, it has other impediments to business too that don't necessarily exist in other places. Uh, by the way, that's I can attest to what you're saying firsthand. I'm a uh, senior advisor to a company called the Cicero Group, which is a large strategy consulting firm in Salt Lake City. They bought a building in downtown Salt Lake. They opened and, and they had like 400 people is the size of the of the, the people in that group. So it's not like, you know, HP with 10,000 people. They had they had the governor, the mayor, the head of economic development personally show up to the opening. So it shows that there's a good deal of attention being paid there. Yeah. Let, let me go back to something that, that you mentioned a second ago. Um, you know, you've now got this proposal, you know, widely seen, super high, um, 43% capital gains rate for the millionaire. Think about that, California. We're now talking about rates where the government's going to take more of your capital gain, more of your business that you spent your life building, and taxpayers are going to do everything they can when they sell those businesses to position themselves to pay as little tax as they can. So if I can take my rate from from 54, 55, 56% down to 40%, at least I'm, I'm getting something out of my, my lifetime work. Backing up a little bit, um, and I have not had a chance to look at the projections yet, if there are any, for what Biden has proposed. But history has shown, you know, Laffer curve, I double that tax on capital gains. I'm going to see many, 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 many less transactions. So do we really think by doubling the rate, we're going to increase the amount of money we collect? You know, it doesn't take a genius to say, look, if we have the transactions, we're going to be right where we started. And it could be more than that. And and I know in my own personal world, I've got a property I want to sell. Shoot, if there's a tax rate of 56%, I'm not selling. I'm holding on till death, I guess. Or Republicans. So definitely Republicans take <laughs> which is oh, and then, and what what's the shortfall going to be like on the on the fiscal side of paying the budgets for um, for public pensions for funding expanded things like you know expanding unemployment benefits if the pool's not there are we going to be able to do any of this no <laughs> I can't give you a more complicated answer than that if 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 you know, what Steve said a minute ago, I mean, are we trying to raise money? Or are we trying to punish the rich? Tough question. I lean toward at the moment, they're trying to punish the rich for reasons I don't quite understand, to be honest. Um, but, you know, Thatcher said at some point you run out of money. So, you know, how much can you take? I mean, if you impose California, if you impose a wealth tax, you put on top of that what could be a 16.8% rate, people are just going to leave. And with respect to the oldest generation, I want, and my dad's obviously deceased because of my age, 
but my kids are going to want me to be in another state because that's going to be a greater estate tax for them. So when it's time to put Hank in congregate care, Hank would have to be, Hank would have to hate his children not to go into congregate care in another state. But um, I guess what I'd like to, before we end is, what's the politics here? Well, I'm trying to understand what's the end game for Biden and for the state legislatures. Um, Because as I read the election statistics, the upper classes voted pretty heavily towards Biden, particularly in these particular states. So is there any way, as I I raised this article in in the Unheard recently, um, that maybe, you know, the Democrats are going to have to choose between their left-wing grassroots BLM type base and the people who fund their campaign and and the people who employ them when they're out of power. Um, How does that situation resolve itself or are the Democrats going to essentially give up part of their their, uh, business backing and become, you know, essentially what would be close to a socialist party? And is that viable? Well, I mean, first of all, it's two different discussions where you're talking to a certain extent about the state level or the, or the national level, because again, Congress is in play, very much in play nationally. And right now it's not in play in New York or in California, the legislature. And we keep asking ourselves exactly, we're forced now to ask ourselves questions that we never asked ourselves before, which is just how far will they be willing to go? Um, whereas you know, Congress is in play and a lot of people are going to become really antsy after big tax increases. Right now, everything looks great because they're giving out free money, but eventually, you know, they're going to start asking for money back. Um, and that's a whole, that becomes a whole other discussion. Um, in New York, I think we we have an end game we haven't seen before, which is basically the sky's the limit. And um, uh, the only thing I can say is that that it's it's almost as if the only equivalent I could think of would be really like after 9-11 saying, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to basically, you know, we're just going to solve this by raising everybody's taxes and um, and increasing the, the you know, the risk. Um, so so the th- thing that I will say in New York, because because. The, the place is so different right now, just so different than what it was. Manhattan is so different that, that you know, there are real questions about whether it doesn't return or not. And if it doesn't, and if a year from now, two years from now, there's still, you know, 30% of the people in those offices aren't coming back, um, then, then uh, you know, this, this, this legislature in New York becomes almost irrelevant, you know, it becomes almost a crisis situation. That's a little bit different than the political calculation, I think, nationally, whereas I think a, a, a serious mistake or two on taxes and the Democrats will lose control of Congress midterm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's about jobs. You know, if, if, if in fact, and, and I believe this, I guess I believe in the Laffer curve pretty strongly. Um, if people stop investing and, you know, there is this crazy dynamic um, that Biden was part of an administration that put into place a zero capital gains rate on new business where you can get the first 10 times your investment back tax free. Um, so you got this. I'm not even sure he understands that he was part of it or he did it. Um But if you don't have new investment and you have, you know, if you just look at the numbers of what it's going to cost me to sell an investment, let's assume they take half my money. So I sell an investment for a million dollars 
they're going to take half, half a million bucks. I'm never going to get a return on that half a million bucks that I could get on my existing business. So logically, you slow up business, you slow up business, you see jobs decline. And historically, that's what's changed the political game. Because if I'm not making as much money or I'm unemployed, I'm looking for somebody else to be sitting in the governor's seat no matter where I am. And if that doesn't happen, then the world really has changed. And, you know, we live through a great time. Well, your point about having fewer transactions is really an interesting uh, warning sign, right? I mean, it may be that people just say, hey, I'm going to hold on to my business and hold on to my investments. Maybe we'll see dividend income go up, you know, or dividend distributions go up. Um, But uh, the idea that you create this wealth, the wealth gets harvested and recycled back into building new businesses is the thing that strikes me as being really vulnerable here. And so, you know, how do you, how do you get that, that continuity or that momentum maintained on entrepreneurship and new company growth? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, you do have this one little capital gain thing that, you know, was really, I think the first Bush, Obama and Trump, but that's for big players. That's who they're targeting. Um, so you may be masking old businesses as new businesses. Um, I think it's going to be tough to raise money. You're going to need a, you're going to you're going to need to change the risk reward calculations to garner more money, and that's going to be difficult. But it's also important to understand that that with this administration, it th- those kinds of tax rates are not just going to come by themselves. They are going to come with more union friendly uh, rules, um, uh, probably more restrictions. Uh, on uh, uh, more labor-friendly rules, and just in general, in terms of um, uh, uh, of uh, how you have, you know, we're we're going to see pushes for things like you know national um, uh, paid vacation and things along those lines. Places like New York and California already have them, so they already have those disincentives. The you know, I mean, these are the kind of disincentives that essentially they just amount to government saying you have to spend more to run your business. Um, and you have to give that to you to you know and 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 we're not going to give you any more money for it. In fact, we're going to increase your taxes at the same time. So all of those things are are uh, disincentives to new business creation. Uh, they raise the risks for starting new business. That's the biggest thing, right? I mean, if suddenly the that, the thing about capital gains tax is that is that you know if the government government's going to take a big chunk of your capital gains, I mean, how willing are you going to be to take to make a a risk, right? Because the reward becomes less and less. It's like, but the funny thing is, right? You know the way even the way the tax code works is that you know if you if you get a big you know a, a big capital gains, you know you got to pay them right away. It, then if the market turns around, you get big losses. Well, I'm sorry, you can't take them all at once. You got to take them a couple thousand dollars at a time, right? So it's like it increases. It, in, it, in, it increases your aversion to risk. And what and and any small business, the, the, the risk levels are enormous to start off with, right? So essentially what happens is few, more, fewer and fewer people are willing to take that risk and, and to invest in new things because the rewards aren't worth the risk. Well, you know, when Joel and I came up with the idea of starting a Feudal Future podcast, we envisioned some of the trends that would be part of a Feudal Future I think we kind of really got to the core of that today. So I want to thank 
you, Steve, and you, Hank, for uh, giving us, uh, shedding some light on what is going to be a continuingly thorny problem. So thanks a lot for joining us. Thank yeah, you. Pleasure. And thanks. And, and we'll um, we'll probably be back. I, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see, um, uh, to me, how the oligarchs who have been backing Biden are going to like this when they when when their accountants sit down with them and say, well, this is what this means to you. So I think I think we're we're, we're not at the end of the novel and uh, probably the climax is coming. Right. Well, thank you again, gentlemen. We look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.